I would just love to see the common sense meter and where that goes when we're at the bar and a few beverages in, you know? Yeah, then everybody knows what's right. Every, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've heard that if you listen to this show after a few beverages, that we are the wisest three beings <laughs> who ever lived. That's going to take more than a few. <laughs> I'm just going to put that up there. Welcome to episode 84 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine or, you know, whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. We are sponsored today by Wink Wine Club. That's W-I-N-C Wine Club, featuring superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door, if your state allows that. Get started at trywink.com slash ptlive for $20 off your first order, other savings, and even better, if you want to sample three free bottles, we can hook you up with that. You just got to leave us a voicemail at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 9... I said that really fast. 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. You can shoot us an email, info at pubtheology.com. Send us questions, comments, queries. Tell us how wonderful we are. Tell us how much you love the show or just wonder why we do this every week. All those musings we will take and you'll be entered to win three free, free bottles on us. You just got to pay tax and shipping to Wink. Um, and we'll pick a winner every month. Thank you, Wink. Mm. And do you want to join us for a live recording of our 100th episode? Then join Ooh. us at Wild Goose Festival, which Ogan is still not convinced is going to happen, that we're going to get to 100 by that point. And I'm going to make it happen. So if you want to <laughs> oh, see wow. that happen live, <laughs> then join us. Wild Goose Festival is July 12th through 15th in Hot Springs, North Carolina. And I have a feeling it will be hot and springy. No, summery, <laughs> muggy, not springy, but you know, it will be a wealth of, you know, sweat. You're going to be sweating. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be sweating. And you know what? It's all in good fun. The Wild Goose is a gathering of progressive spiritual thought leaders, artists, and activists centered on spirit, justice, music, and art. So if that sounds like it's up your alley, you should get your tickets at wildgoosefestival.org. Boom. And if you keep listening to future episodes, I believe soon we'll have a code just for our listeners to get discounted tickets to the Wild Goose. You're going to want to keep tuning in on that. And of course, you can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PT Live. So today we talk about uh, awakening. Was there a moment in your life when you felt like you had an awakening or maybe a season of your life? And what did that look like? And when you're on the other side of that, are you there for good? Or can you go back to where you were before, so to speak? 
We'll also hit on some journaling, daylight savings time, whether we've yet recovered from our one hour jet lag experience this week. And no. may- <laughs> there it is. And maybe some common sense, which I don't know. Do we have common sense on this show? It's an open question. I think I think that jury's out on that one. <laughs> the jury is out. Uh, well, welcome, friends. And Shannon, what are what are you drinking? So I am drinking a Peabody Heights Brewery. Again, we're we're local for the season of Lent, um, which is in the heart of Baltimore, like 30th Street. So um, witty in pink, um, Belgian wit. It's it's it. Interestingly enough, it um, it's like got cranberry and clove and like banana in it, which all sounds really weird, Ooh. Um, but is delicious. I so bet it is. It is. So, so witty and pink. Or as a New England, as us New Englanders say, not Peabody, but Peabody. Peabody? Really? Peabody. Yes, oh. really. When I first moved here and to see the street sign and say to someone Peabody, they were like, I don't know, what do you mean Peabody? And I'm telling them, oh, you mean Peabody? It's like, okay. Oh, Peabody. See, like, wow. Peabody. See, like, you know, when I was in school in Memphis, the, like the Peabody Hotel, and like, yeah. of course, they draw it out to like five syllables. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the self draw out the syllables <laughs> in New England. We squish them together, right? As much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Like Man. Worcester has like fourteen, fifteen letters in the name when you spell it out, but it's like Worcester. Two yeah. syllables at most, <laughs> one and a half maybe. Yeah. Um, I am Reverend Ogenholer from Unity on the River. I am drinking. Hot box coffee porter. Hot, hot box. Ooh. From Colorado, US of A. That's perfect for a snowy day. Yeah, the yes. Oscar Blues Brewery, because I am sitting through like Snowmageddon 2018 right now. Mm. It's like the third snowstorm I think we've had in like the last three or four weeks. It is it is unreal up in here right now. Everybody's mm. going nuts. Yeah, exactly. So if I suddenly disappear in the middle of the show, power's <laughs> gone. This past weekend, power was gone. I, I had no power for two days. Like, mm. and I had to go find somewhere else to stay. And um, it was so funny when, you know, the power went out and everybody was waiting a couple hours to see what would happen. And then the electric company sent the official notification. Yeah, we may not get this. Uh, it went out in the wee hours of, um, was it Thursday morning? somewhere overnight between Wednesday and Thursday. And they're like, we're not going to get power on to like midnight Friday, the earliest. And you just see all the neighbors suddenly packing their cars, <laughs> like going, <laughs> going to find friends and relatives who had a power. It was like a right. mass exodus from Newburyport for a while. Um, but yeah, we did okay. Brian, what you got? Well, still on my uh, Lent beer fast, though. I'm really liking the idea of uh, local for Lent next year. I might have to... Might have to go that route. So today I'm drinking a Pomplemousse or Grapefruit LaCroix. So, you know. Oh, interesting. Pomplemousse, huh? Pomplemousse. Pomplemousse. Exactly. I'm not as fancy as you people. (laughs) French for grapefruit and also the name of a great band. You should look them up on. That I should check out. Oh, yeah. Pomplemousse. Great. There we go. So uh, we lost an hour of sleep over the weekend. Daylight savings time happened, and uh, any any uh, traumatic happenings. And is it worth losing an hour of sleep to have more light than at the end of the day? I'm I'm going to quote John Oliver from last week tonight. <laughs> I don't know if you guys watched last week tonight, but sometimes he has a segment called "Why is this still a thing?" <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's what I want to say about daylight saving time. Why is this still a thing? I don't understand it. I never understood it. It, I mean, let's uh, uh, follow Arizona's example and just yes, go, absolutely. Like, forget the whole thing. It, it's it's an archaic. I mean, it made sense, I guess, when they did it um, and came up with it. But I think so at it, this point in time, it's an archaic um, idea that has outlived its usefulness. So again, we could talk an hour about this right here, right? I've never met, I've, I've, this is to me, this time of year, the most argued thing. And yet nobody's on the other side. <laughs> like the time change is on the other side. We're all, we're all, we all hate it. We are all arguing against it. Um, and we feel like there's nothing we can do about it. I feel like it's a great metaphor for our world right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Um, so here's my argument back to that though, is that like, we don't gain more light. There's like, I mean, each day we gain slightly more light, right? But it's not like, oh, we get an extra hour of light today because we changed our clocks. Right. What hours though light is, you know, happening. Yeah. But we don't, it's not like, oh, the sun said, oh, you changed your clocks. Here's an extra hour of sunlight. Like that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah understood. But you know, colloquially it, uh, the, our hours of human function and operation the light it's light later into the evening but by how we my friend my friend arrange our days this is 2018 you heard of electricity and light bulbs we don't like we we make our own light yes but i'm saying like the, at the end of the day like it gives you an extra hour to barbecue in the backyard or get in around no, a golf no, no, or no, whatever no. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, like Shan said, it doesn't give you more light. Yeah, All no. it does. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not All, hearing what I'm saying. You, you do events at certain you. times. <laughs> and when it's lighter at 8 p.m., you can do more things at 8 p.m. than you did okay. prior to the time change. But when we shift in the fall, why do I want the sun to come out at 5 a.m. and to leave at 3 p.m.? I like, don't. I, want it, I don't either. So, like, let's like, just stop doing this. Stay where we are now. Right. And, it, just, and if you've never grilled by headlamp, my friend, you are not living. That's <laughs> uh, all fine and good, but then you got insects and things to deal with. Well, you know? all right. So, I yeah, let's get rid of it. Let's throw it out the window. I, by the way, not just arguing, like, not for it. So we all know that I am not a morning person whatsoever. And this makes it so much worse. Yeah. Like I have the hardest time recovering from this hour than so, I do anything else. Funny you should say that. I did some research. This is where we all like gasp in astonishment. <laughs> Actually did some research for the show. From the Better Sleep Council. Okay. Mm, yeah. Um, First of all, it's been well documented during this week. There's going to be more car accidents because yes. people are sleep deprived, and and twenty four percent more heart attacks. I yeah. saw that. This is this is the not day true. after daylight savings time. There are twenty four percent more heart attacks. So wow. So you know, they always say con consider the source of where you get your information. So this is the Better Sleep Council, and 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 the list. Uh, daylight saving time creates chaos. The list starts good. So 74% of workers over 30 who report not getting adequate sleep, say sleeplessness, affects their work. 9% of Americans say they're likely to fall asleep at inappropriate moments, like in a meeting <laughs> or when driving a car, you know. Sure. So uh, uh, tempers tend to flare. 
Um, it really affects younger people, uh, like teenagers. Their whole like mm. you know inner clock cycle is set to go to sleep later, wake up earlier, anyways. So it's it's kind of crazy. Um, and and interestingly enough, I I didn't get the chance to delve into this. Um, it's it says that women actually take longer to recover from um from the effect of losing that hour than men do it takes them it take i don't know why that is but they they just they just say that that it does are we more in tune with our natural rhythms or something like i have no idea i i I don't know um so so again the, the 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 negative aspects that come along with losing that hour of sleep um i don't think makes it worth it also Uh, maybe you said this but we supposedly lose millions of dollars in lost productivity or business with the hour change yeah and it's not like we make it back up in the fall either (laughs) not like you can add an extra sunday (laughs) exactly although so sometimes in the fall in the fall when we put that extra hour on and we get an extra hour of sleep i'm all for it (laughs) Well, I'm all for it, but it does mess me up. It still messes me up. Like, because yeah. it, it gives me this false sense that I have an extra hour. And again, I don't. And you don't. Right? No, you Same do. Thing is like, well, <laughs> <laughs> so going back to your earlier point, Brian, of when that extra hour happens, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's, I think we, I think it's common sense to get rid of it. There you go. Yeah. You heard about the guy who discovered immortality by keep adding another hour to his. Okay, never mind. Um, so, the counter to the um, the point about accidents happening, you know, the day after the time change, someone said that under the Nixon administration they had gotten rid of daylight savings, but then or kept it like it was just got to daylight savings and then left it there. Didn't make the change again in the fall. But they said in the fall, it was so dark in the mornings that the number of kids hit by cars waiting for their school bus or walking to school went way up and that that's the thing that forced them to reinstitute it. Yeah, so we'll but, just shift by a half hour. It'll all work out. Or can we just start school later? <laughs> that's the right? big issue right there. Start there school later. One. Why are my kids going to the bus stop at 6 a.m.? Exactly. Why? Why no is reason. that a thing? No reason. And and the, the argument of like teenagers, high school needs to start earlier. Now I understand the bus thing, right? Like there's X amount of buses. So schools are staggered. High school starts at X time and middle school starts at X time and elementary schools at X time so that the bus routes can do ver- like multiple pickups. Right. I, I get that. Right. But why is, so the argument that I always heard, my high school started at 7.20 AM and like, we know from studies, right? Yep. Teenagers do, like, as a whole, do not do well early in the morning. Yeah. So no. why the hell is high school starting at 7.20 when, you know, and I'm not advocating for my elementary school kids to go then, but why, like, so the argument was we got out of school at 2.10, and then I could have an after-school job. And I'm like, no, we, we didn't have after-school jobs. Like, you're just asking us to go home and get into trouble. Isn't like, the real asking- answer sports? So that was the other thing with sports and like I did stuff after school, but again, you're done by like, you have two hours of practice. You're done by four, four thirty. Like, I think it allows for travel for games and other 
towns and I think I think sports I still is the don't big think reason. That justifies making a teenager get up at. I agree. I agree, a hundred percent. And it doesn't. Yeah. And teens are going to be up late anyways. That they're up late regardless right. of what time they wake up. So you're just asking That's me right. to get less sleep. You're just asking me exactly. to underperform, and you know. Anyway, we I could just, solve so many things if they just let us make if the they decisions. Would just let us do this. Yes. Yes. I or we can all just homeschool our kids the way that Odin does. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't want that responsibility. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna pass on that. But 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 to your point, this is one of the main reasons we homeschool uh joy. Not, you know, not for some pseudo religious, you know, brainwashing reason. It's because we we wanted her to get out of that cycle and yeah. get rest. And you know, she's a person also who dances, you know three to five time evenings a week it's exhausting and gotta have your rest needs to sleep name me a teenager who given the opportunity won't sleep anywhere from like nine to 12 hours right Right. they're gonna sleep that that much for a reason they their bodies their brains need the sleep so so to deprive them of that you know you know she speaks she's got high school friends who you know they go to the public high school and they're in dance with her and they are like always stressed out and always on edge and a lot of that is the lack of rest mm. so like, we actually have a rule in our house with our kids that they're allowed to do one thing a week right so if they play soccer it's like one evening practice and then a saturday or something mm-hmm. um because if they do more things than that they're not gonna like we're not home until it's like bedtime right and so if they're gone multiple nights a week with that schedule. So I think you have to choose, right? If they really have this passion for something that they need to practice three to five times a week, you've got to, you've got to make adjustments in other areas and, and follow your kids. Anyway, this feels off subject, but it's not, I don't think it is, but it, you know, but I I do think we're conformed to this perception of what we think is right and good. And yet also let's look at the idea of say it is, say it's sports, which is, I, I think sports are great. And, or it, maybe it's academic, right? You're on debate team or something, but you're there from, you're supposed to be at school at seven twenty, Like that's when school starts. And then you're there till 5 PM. And then you have to go home and do homework. Like oh, it's brutal. setting up. Right. And then we talk about, well, you know, they overwork. And then we overwork as adults. Well, guess who taught me how to do that? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the system early and it's like, what, what kind of. Right. What are we teaching? <laughs> yes. Yes. What are we, you know, what are we teaching about importance and self-care and mental health and what, are, you know, how are we doing that? And it starts in the school system. Hmm. And now, it's daylight savings time's fault. No, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're going to send this episode to Congress and they're going to do something about we're it. They're going to do something about it. <laughs> Now, on the flip side, you know, I will homeschool my child and, and make sure she gets more rest than the average teenager. I wouldn't mind a little more work ethic. I'm just saying. I'm right. I mean, uh, <laughs> there has to be a balance in all things, right? Balance. Balance. We're on the other side of the spectrum, I think. The, the Enneagram 9 says, I'd like to see a better work ethic. <laughs> exactly. That gives, you an, that gives you an idea of where it really is. <laughs> If I'm right. saying that, <laughs> right? But, but again, so this this also lends a bigger uh, question, I guess, culturally. Why do we do things at the times we do them? Like you know, church on Sunday. Why is traditionally right. church sometime on Sunday morning? You know, why not? So as much as like daylight saving time is sometimes blamed on farmers, which is not true, right? 
um, because right. farmers get up at the cows get up at the same time. Like it actually messes with the farming schedule. Um, church actually does have a rooted history in it's between the time of farm chores and work and mm-hmm. like getting up early. And, and, and so that 10, 11 o'clock hour was a very golden hour where you broke from your morning chores. You had a little mm-hmm. bit of a break, you had lunch. Um, and then you, you, it was the break of the middle, the beginning of the break of the middle of the day. Gotcha. And so like actually church schedule has some history in that, whether or not that exists anymore. And we can now argue about what the perfect time is to have church. But I think one 5 the, p.m. One in the afternoon. <laughs> one in the afternoon. You sleep in a little bit. You get some lunch. You go do church. Well, wow. and then some people say, well, that breaks up my day because I get up at Yes. Six. Or my team kicks off at one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can't it's be doing thing, man. Come on. It's not, no. Come on. Although I will, anyway. I will say, in the shower Sunday morning, after the daylight savings time jet lag is sort of, well, not after, like in the midst of it. I'm like, why didn't we say we were doing church at 11 today? We normally have it at 10. Right, I'm like, we, we could have just said we're meeting at 11. Right. Why you didn't I think church. of that? You have more control than you think you did. <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. like, we could just do whatever we want. We could have said 11. <laughs> Next year. Can we, you know, we should, we should skip to the question of common sense because common sense right, right. would have been really useful. <laughs> So is that common sense, right? To say, well, here's this thing I don't have control over, but I do have control over this. Um, so, so it's funny because this morning I read through the questions, right? Um, as I do, just I kind of glance through them ahead of time so I can start thinking about them a little bit. And then this morning I get the, uh, you know, we, we do that thing in our house where like you wake up and you don't quite talk to anybody and you scroll through your phone because yeah. you're waking up and that's just the thing. And the news of the morning, right, is that um, Rex Tillerson is fired yeah, and that um, Mike Pompeo is taking over. And Derek looks at me and goes, so I'm just going to say this. It just, it, by the way, I have shared nothing about what we're talking about today with him. Um, he says, it's just, it's, it, it just doesn't feel like the requirements for secretary of state and and running the like CIA are the same, like it just feels like that's common sense to me. And I just started laughing like, yeah. really Perfect. hard, right? Because it's like, what the hell? It like we all think that whatever we're thinking is a given is common sense. And well, are there no. universal things that are just true? Common sense has not been the hallmark of this administration. This is very true. Let's you know, not I lie mean, about that. Uh, I mean, um, Tillerson I, I, found out he was fired on Twitter. Right. That's not really a. That's to me is not common sense to fire somebody over Twitter. It's also not common sense that uh, I read that, um, and and I and I checked a few sources to make sure this wasn't just a rumor that Trump actually wanted to nominate the pilot of his private plane to head the FAA because you know. He knows because I'm sure he made a lot of sense. That guy flies planes. <laughs> he flies planes, so why not? Um, so, so to, to to your question, I think w- when we think about common sense, it's like um, I think that idea of what how how can we maybe shift things to not just make our lives easier, but but to to step out of the normal conformity of of the systems out there so we have daylight saving times we move the you know we, we shift our clocks 
uh, it may be easier for a person to say, okay, church always starts at 10. So no matter what we do with the clocks, whenever the clock says 10, that's when we show up. So we don't get all confused. Um, we just got to remember to shift the clock. And I want to say, but the two things are, you know, there's always people who forget to switch the clocks back. Thank God for technology and our phones that automatically do it right. you now a lot of times. Right. But I'm also saying we're adults. I think if we say today the thing's starting at 11 instead of 10, I think we can handle that. <laughs> like, let's let's give ourselves a little credit for that. And unlike in the fall, if someone doesn't does make the shift but doesn't hear you're doing your service at a different time, they'll be an hour early. Exactly. Whereas in the fall, if you did that, they'd show up after you were ended. But, I, but again, we uh, – yeah, I don't think it makes really – I think we should – you know, um, 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 shift our practices to do what benefits us most. And I think getting, not losing an hour of sleep is going to benefit everyone most. Right. So we call that um, non-conformity Sunday and we preach, you know, to not be conformed by the world. Oh, good. <laughs> Boom. We preach nice. our Romans, right? Yeah. Do not be I'm going to give you a golf clap for that. By the world, but be transformed by it. And we will do our own thing and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so what, uh, since we're on this topic, what, how do you define common sense? So I have this quote from a friend. He says, you've heard people say it's just common sense. And he says, when they say that, beware, because what they usually mean is, my prejudices confirm this idiocy 100%. I don't know why he used idiocy there. But I think he's on to something that common sense is a very personal, sometimes subjective thing. Like it makes 100% sense to me from my perspective, from how I'm seeing this, from the values I hold, the way things work in my mind, in right. the world. So it makes sense to me, but not everyone's common sense always lands in the same place. Isn't that right? So, so like Bible interpretation. <laughs> well, so I think that's a really, uh, one of the questions that I was asked in the early stages of ministry was like, well, why are you Presbyterian? Right. Isn't, I mean, that's like, why, yeah. why unity? Why UCC? Like why right. this denomination? Right. And I, and I, and my joke answer to that is like, well, they let me, right. Because I was a woman in a tradition that didn't ordain women. And so Presbyterians let me in and they let me be ordained and yay, good for them. But part of that is our, so our, our polity, right? Our form of governance in our church um, is my kind of common sense worldview, right? So if I'm like in X situation, I do this and then I look it up in the book, that's pretty much what it says to do. This is not an exclusive thing, but like it follows my pattern of thinking, my understanding of the world, my, the way that I, I naturally follow things. And I actually think that that's a really, um, one of the reasons why, you know, we're becoming less denominational and more fluid in that area is because we're, we're able to open up our systems yeah. a lot more, you know, to be much more inclusive, which I think is a very, very good thing. But nonetheless, like it, the way worship flows makes sense to me. The way we read scripture makes sense to me. Mm. You know, that to me is like my worldview that things that make sense to me, that's why I follow this tradition. Yeah. So I looked it up on Miriam Webster uh, and common sense is sound and prudent judgment based on a simple perception of the situation or facts. Now the problem word in there is perception. 
Right. Because perception oh. is entirely subjective. So, you know, what's common sense to me may not be common sense to you, may not be common sense to Shannon. So we right. can all have a slightly different um, perception and what is our perception based on many things, beliefs, experiences, fears, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And the Collins, um, I don't, I, 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 there, there's no definitive, there's no definitive um, agreement on what makes sense. Hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, we, we wouldn't have the president we have. So Harper Collins says, no, uh, no there fair enough. <laughs> Harper Collins says your common sense is your natural ability to make good judgments and to behave in a practical and sensible way. So that's, that's okay. a little, little different. Now, so, I agree with that. And again, what's sensible? Again, cultural norms, cultural agreements, you know, what what we as a human race or a certain country or culture deemed as appropriate changes over time, changes over decades and centuries. So, So by that definition, then, what is common sense is also, for the most part, going to change over time. So it's a very it's a very fluid thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes some I, some things that you might think are people may label that didn't make sense or is not common sense actually turns out to be, you know, a smart choice down the road. And again, not to bring up politics, but here we have, you know, President Trump uh, saying there's gonna be this meeting with, you know, the North Korean uh, leader Kim Jong Un, and we're all going like, "What? This is crazy!" <laughs> but then there's some of us going, "So crazy, it might it work? It might work, yeah." You know, you know, you put you put these two fools in a room; they might actually come out, you know, with something that that because nothing's nothing's changed, nothing's worked over the decades. Policy hasn't worked. You know, whether you whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the, the policy, the foreign policy around North Korea has not worked in the last however many decades, no matter who's been in power, which administration has been in power. Yeah. So this is something different. Now, it could it could equally make it worse. But, you know, th- th- this is, you know, when I when I heard that, I was like, well, oh, my God. I think a snowplow just like flipped over down the street. <laughs> when, when, when I first heard that, I was like, well, this is going to be a disaster. But then the boy thought about it and can step back objectively going, who knows? Right. Yeah. So I grew up in the South where there was a lot of like sayings of like, you know, Bless that you. girl's got no sense. Right. <laughs> like that, um, that, that there was this perception of there were smart people and then there were people with sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, yes, and, yes. And, and yet, I mean, so there are, there are smart people who can learn things in books. And then there are just these things that you can't learn in books. And like you either have it or you don't, which I actually disagree with that. I think, I think a, 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 whether you call it common sense or sense, like I think that's a learned experience, you know. But there are some people who are just, but what they're saying more is like, you're aligning with, if, if a kid, quote unquote, right? If a kid has sense, then they're aligning with the worldview of you or the culture or the acceptable norm, right? Um, and if they, they don't, 
and they're, I mean, I think, I think the book smart thing is that there are some things that can't be learned. Um, and like I said, I, I, I disagree with that a little bit, but it does take a, it's a different kind of learning, right? It's a different kind of experience. Um, and people that are more naturally just very taken, um, who can, who can just read something and learn very quickly. Yeah. And, some people can cut sort of, some people yeah. can cut to the chase on certain things, like see a situation and be like, well, here's the thing we should do. Whereas others might like have a work group and like overanalyze and still not right. like figure out the thing. And sometimes there's just a, right. this in flash of insight that someone else can have. And it's like, wow, what is that? How come I couldn't sort of see Which it? Which I think I call now more intuition than I do common sense. Yeah. And maybe that's true. There's a blurring of those things perhaps in my mind. But I don't think, I mean, going back to like Ogan's, like the way we view scripture and stuff, like, I'm not sure that there is so much of a common sense view of that, right? Like, um, there may not be a common sense view, but there's definitely lack of common sense view. Yes. So, yep. you know, to call, you know, a recent example was that church in the news that we heard about shortly after the Florida shoot in where they believed, you know, the AR 15s were like the spear of God or something. Right. And oh my gosh. Church and had crowns with bullets on them. And that was like, it, you oh know, for gosh. them, for them, it makes sense. Somehow, somewhere it, it makes sense. They, they read a passage in the Bible and was somehow miraculously or twisted genius, like able to tease out that interpretation to make it sound like they need to walk around with, you know, semi-automatic rifles. Amazing. But the rest of the world, I think most of the rest of the world is like going like, wow, just wow. That's, yeah, <laughs> not okay. There's no reading of scripture in which I think that is okay. And, and yet they think so. And, and apparently there is, <laughs> for them at least. So yeah. is common sense a spiritual gift, a natural gift, uh I think like anything else is learned. We call it common sense, but, but, but honestly, it's, you know, um, it, people who have, you know, street smarts versus book smarts. I mean, street smarts, you've learned from the experiences you've been in. Right. You know, and, 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 and you didn't read it in a book, but by George, you learned it somewhere. So, so I, I think it's, it's really a misnomer that's trying to reflect the idea between experiential learning versus academic learning. Um, and we're, I think we have the capacity for both. And I think both to some extent are, are beneficial. Yeah. And I, I also think, I, especially when you come to God and spirituality and, and not so much the institutional religion, but it doesn't make sense and it's not supposed to make sense. Right. Like that's actually a differing of where faith comes in. Like, faith isn't necessarily the logical answer and isn't the, um, I mean, it is an experience and faith is grown through experience, but it's, it's a very, it's a different sense, if you will. Like I'm using sense in a, you know, it's that, no, <laughs> it's that sixth yeah. sense, you know, and, at and face value at face value, faith is not common sense. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's quite the opposite in a lot of ways, right? And, and that goes back to the conformity, don't conform to the world, transform by it, right? That it, it's, beyond, it's beyond that. Now, you know, when I go back to our rule of governance and things like that, like the way we do church or the way we do faith 
you know, we align with something that does make sense to us and that we do feel more comfortable in. So I want to do this thing that transcends common sense in this way because I'm a human being and I need, I need some sort of order and something else, you know, like, and I want to align with people that, that think the way that I do and that believe the way that I do and in, or at least have a healthy understanding that like we can disagree and be in relationship and we're called to community and et cetera, et cetera. But faith itself transforms or transcends all of that. Yeah. So can common sense get us into trouble or can common sense sometimes lead us to a poorer decision than using more rational uh, analysis or, or spiritual I, insight? I'm, I'm going to say um, uh, that's church 101 with <laughs> many people who do things that are inexplicable, but then tell you what it made perfect sense to me. Right. right. Yes. You know? Right. So, uh, but that's, that's, that's the problem with it. It's very subjective and it's very relative, you know? So while someone is saying, Hey, it made perfect sense for me to do this. Someone else is going like, what were you thinking? And then yeah. sometimes you hear them explain their thought process and you go like, okay, I could see how that makes sense to you, but <laughs> right. You know, kind of deal. How do you argue that? Yeah. I'm reading this uh, article here on psychology today and it says that, uh, Common sense, so-called common sense, is a fallacy that's been foisted on us by our culture of ideology that prefers us to be stupid, ill-informed, and poor decision makers, and says it often gets used by uh, conservatives in which so-called coastal elites lack common sense and as a result are out of touch with, quote, real Americans who have an abundance of common sense, right? And you've heard, I've heard that. Right. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's the average Joe thing, right? It's the, yeah. the, that there's hometown America, right? Like there's the, there's the small town that has it all together and has it all figured out. And the truth is, is that's whatever you aligned with, like whatever. Right. Yeah. I and, and I think this gets used on an issue, like, let's say climate change. It's like, well, right. common sense tells you that it was really cold this winter. And so obviously climate change is a hoax and, Right, look yada, at all the yada, yada. in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. mind that real scientists with data are coming mm -hmm. up with certain understandings of the issue. It's like, no, they just need common sense like me who never, you know, took a science class or a meteorological yeah. holding, or whatever. Holding up a snowball in Congress and saying there's no global warming. <laughs> Duh. What do they know, those scientists? Hello. Just need more common sense like that. <laughs> but you see, that's, that's where you think that's where you think the academic learning, yeah. you know, trumps the experiential learning, you know, but then again, you know, if for some reason, you know, these nuclear talks don't work out and Armageddon happens like three weeks from now, you know, you know, those, uh, those folks at us coastal elites tease as being, you know, the woodsy folk out there that are, you know, survivalist, crazy folk. Yeah. They, in Michigan. They're, they're the gonna survive. Gonna, right. They they're the survivors <laughs> I'm gonna go looking for. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, I had this argument. Um, if you're Facebook friends with me, you you probably saw it. Like I had this argument last Friday. Last Friday I went out with a very good friend and um got a, you know, 
had a had a had a few drinks in me, and I was having this discussion with this guy, and um, who I didn't know, he was in town for a medical conference, and somehow pay equality came up, and and I yes yeah right, so somehow in the middle of the conversation, I say, well, if you know, we really need to deal with the fact that that women make seventy five cents on the dollar of of men, and of course, I'm talking about white women make seventy five cents on the dollar of white men, and um, he goes, well, there's why I disagree with you, and I say, no, no. You don't get to disagree with me. Like this is this is a fact. This is a statistical reality. This isn't a like, oh, I disagree with you on that statement. Fake we news. Can, fake news. Fake news, right? We can disagree on the solution to that. Right. We don't get to disagree on the fact. <laughs> I think if, so, go ahead. Anyway, somebody had commented on there. It's amazing how when when we when a, a fact makes us uncomfortable that we turn it into an opinion yes. right yeah. so you know global warming's another example like yeah. when a fact of global warming and the challenge of changing the way of my life like my lifestyle the way i live life when that challenges me then i get to turn that fact into an opinion mm. and and that like for me dealing with facts is common sense listening to science is common sense right that that there are people that know better than i do and i defer to them on these subjects and i quote them in hopefully good and positive ways and etc cetera, etc cetera. that to me is common sense somebody saying i don't like that so i disagree with a fact <laughs> like that's common sense to them because it hasn't been their experience and that sucks, that moment, like that's difficult for all of us to deal with. I would just love to see the common sense meter and where that goes when we're at the bar and a few beverages in, you know? Yeah, then everybody knows what's right. Every, exactly, <laughs> I, I, exactly. I wish we could have this conversation recorded that you had, because I would love to see Shannon just geared oh up. Oh my God, I was, let's, I was. Let's trademark, let's trademark that and build one of those, like common sense meter, you know? <laughs> little dial at the back with your finger that would make a great guy gift i mean i think that's the thing is that everything makes more sense everything every idea is a great idea that we should run with (laughs) after a few more drinks with a stranger in a bar you know there you go everything is like yes we just solved the world's problems (laughs) and then you go home and don't remember much of it at all (laughs) i've heard that if you listen to this show after a few beverages that we are the wisest three beings who ever lived. That's going to take more than a few. <laughs> I just can put that out there. I'm saying you should try it at wild goose. That's all I'm saying. I'm Ooh. saying you should come and, and try it and see what happens. There you go. You're speaking to our listeners now. Of course. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we have this quote from uh, John O'Donohue, uh, a uh, poet and writer, uh, and he said, once the soul awakens, the search begins and you can never go back. So wondering if either of you felt like you've ever experienced something like that, a sort of awakening that changed you, and do you resonate with what he's saying there? Um, yes, um, I um, awakening or for me maybe moments of deep insight or something like that. But um, I think I think for me I'm going to recall um, 
you know, we're, we're, we're all ministers and I think we all maybe fondly, or in my case, maybe not so fondly, remember the moment that we became clear that this was our path. Mm. You know, some of us affectionately refer to it as the moment we were called. Um, but I remember when I had that moment and, and it, it really was an awakening moment for me. Uh, I wasn't happy with it. I mean, my response was, oh shit, please, anything but that. Right. Um, but, but, <laughs> but <laughs> really, <laughs> seriously, anything. <laughs> anything but that, uh, you know, and I fought it, I fought it for a while. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately when I, when my life was, um, had reached such a, a, a negative place with the resistance of it that I, I can't keep fighting this um, and, and follow the path. And now, you know, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life and feel more fulfilled. But the point is that, yes, when you have those awakening moments, you can choose not to follow through on where it's leading you. You can choose to, you know, have your Joan in the whale experience if you want, but, right. but ultimately you're not going to be content. There's no going back and you might regret being awakened from a, initially, you know, that statement, ignorance is bliss. You know, um, I, I, now, now that I've seen the bigger picture or the, the deeper picture, um, I, I know I have this greater responsibility for my life and for the life of the people around me. Um, I, I can't go back living just this like, you know, surface level materialistic kind of existence. There's, there's, there's more to it than that. There's more to me than that. We can pretend to go back if we want, but ultimately we're not going to find a sense of fulfillment than if we follow through with wherever it's leading us. Wow. Yeah. What Ogan said. Next, solve that. What Ogan no, said. I, so I, we, we were that. So rarely does that come out of my mouth. <laughs> time mark that timestamp. Time mark when did that happen? Can we isolate that? <laughs> I, so for one of the things that I, um, I've thought about a lot is that there, there are great mountaintop experiences. Right, the mountaintop experience we talk about is. Um, the the um, transfiguration of Jesus, right? He goes to the top of the mountain. He's transfigured. Right. Um, the disciples want to stay there. He says, no, we have to go back down to ministry, right? We can't just sit here in this great awakening. And, and one of the things I always argue about is like, as, a, as people of faith, we have to do both. Like we also have to go up to the mountain and have that experience. That experience is vital to commune with God, to be transformed, to, you know, do all these things. And then we got to get up and go back down into the real life of ministry and all of that. And I've met a lot of people who are seeking faith in a way that like, I experience that and I'm just trying to get that back. And I'm like, no, you're never going to get that back. You're never going to go back. There is nothing about this faith process that takes you backwards. It only moves you forward. That is now a part of you and it has become a part of you. And, and to want that quote unquote back is, is uh, this probably isn't the right word, but is disrespectful to faith, to the process, to the journey of God. But that awakening is vital to who we are, I think. 
Um, and it's happened many times in many different ways. Um, there is the call story. There's the story before that, right? And, and it even happens in the, the little moments for me of you're not alone, right? I'm, I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling desperate. I'm feeling like there's no choices, a, a crisis of faith, right? We call it. And, and there's this still small voice that says you're not alone. And, and even that can be a moment of awakening. That can be a, a quick moment of that, but it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But to try to stay there, right? To try to hit the pause button and say, I'm going to live in this forever. Like that's where we do ourselves injustice, in my opinion. I remember one time I was, uh, I was meditating and um, I literally became one with the universe. It was like the most magical moment that I have ever experienced. Like, like, it 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 was it was everything it was nothing it was time had no meaning it was like i was everywhere in the universe all at once it happened once it and when i was in it it felt like a split second and it felt like an eternity all at the same time it was truly a blissed out moment this happened uh in 2011 no 2010 i think and for the next two years, I was trying to get back to that place because mm-hmm. I was like, "Is this is what they've been talking about?" I touched it for a second. Yeah. I wanna, I wanna touch it again. Never have, and it's been, and in a weird way, in a weird way, it's been everything since then has kind of for a while was very anticlimactic, right? And 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 nothing met that level of euphoria. And there was like I had to go through that period of like like grieving it and, and being disappointed by anything that happened after that, even momentous, you know, occasions that, that would normally be celebratory. It was like pale in comparison to, to, to that experience. And what I had to learn to do was to let that go. Yeah. Like truly let it go, truly do my best to you know, then every time, like I had to stop meditating for a while because I would come out of meditation frustrated that it didn't happen again. Right. Uh, so, so, so those bliss moments, those awakening moments, um, you're right. In a sense, you, you're, you're not going back, but you still have to let them go. You know, just, I mean, I love that story of the transfiguration. That's what basically Jesus was saying. No, let, let this experience go, you know, value it for what it was. I um, mean, right. it proved it was, it was like a proof moment. You know, if you had any doubts that I guess in that scenario that I was who I said I was, you know, these two dead prophets showing up might have, you know, that might prove it, you know, that kind <laughs> wow. of deal. <laughs> so, so, so it was a proof moment for me, for me there, that was that proof moment when I truly, truly, right. you know, tasted the oneness of all that is. So yeah. now what do I do with that? It's, you know you let it, you let it, you let it go. And I think that's a frustration. I, 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 I changed my, my, my mountain metaphors to not so much mountaintop experiences anymore, but I'm, I'm as, as I am expanding my awareness, my consciousness is I'm climbing that, climbing that mountain. I will hit plateau points where I can, where I pause, see an amazing view, whatever experience that, but then the journey continues. And both the good news and the bad news is the journey's never going to end. The good news is I will get more amazing experiences, more plateaus, more, 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 more insights of, of, of wisdom and, and enlightenment and stuff. But then there's always more. There's, 
the, the, the phrase I like to use is there's no beginning to God and there's no end to God. Right. So stop, and stop I, trying I think, to find a point. Yeah. We think of it like a hiking path where there's an end point. Right. And, and there's not, right. right? It's, it's just a continued. Um, but I, so I use a little bit different language. I don't think either one is wrong or right. So you talk about letting that experience go. I often talk about absorbing that experience. And I think they're very much the same mm. thing. But the visual for me is helpful. So yeah. I absorb the experience in the sense that it becomes part of who I am. And I and right. I live I live into that I so if you need that experience, let's just use an extreme example, right? So if you need that experience to believe um, you've had these beliefs about God, but now I really know. I know with my being now that God exists because I've had this experience, right? But it's just an extreme example, but there it is. Yeah. But, but, and even though I can't get back to the place where I feel that oneness, that total communion with God um, at the snap of my fingers, it, I absorb that experience. It becomes part of who I am and I live out of it. Right. Mm. Like, and I, and I, again, I think the letting go language is that same thing. I'm not trying to, grasp tightly to it yeah. and cling to it as if it's the only thing that matters. Right. I let it go. I let it, it it's part of my experience of life now. Yeah. Um, I just like, as a, as a visual person, I always think of it as I need to absorb that now and not like not hold tight to it. And so it just becomes part of who I am, you know, and, and we go out into the world, but all of this stuff, we carry it with us in a, in a good way, right? We can carry it with us in a negative way it affects relationships, right? There would be a way right. that, that trying to get back to that bliss would affect every relationship around you, you know, Absolutely. comes in and like, dad, I got an A on her test. Yeah. Well, who cares? You know, <laughs> there is no spoon joy, right? Yeah. Like there's nice birthday party. This sucks compared to my spiritual high. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and even though you may feel that you shut the Shut it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You, no, you continue to be fully present to others' experiences because you have that deep-rooted awakening that still is buoying you, even though you're not in it in the moment. And what becomes interesting also is when you you have a perspective shift, and what was once a bliss moment, now oh. you look back on it and go like, yeah. I don't know. So I I can recall like you know growing up in a in a more traditional evangelical setting, and that. You know, when that experience at, you know, 12 years old, making my first, you know, making my, what you would call being saved and, and yeah. professing Christ as my savior and that being like this enlightened bliss moment. And I look back at that and go like, you know, it's a bunch of brainwashing kind of deal. So, you know, now that bliss moment is no longer a bliss moment given where I am now. And who knows, 10 years in the future, that transcendent oneness with the universe moment might might pale in comparison to something else I might experience or not. So 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 who knows? It's it's a matter of it's a matter of perspective. You know, the the people in my family who are still in a more, I guess, you know, traditional evangelical setting still speak of that moment of when they were a child or young adult and and and, and first made that profession of faith. And for them it was like you know, life has never been the same afterwards. And they call that up as that of, of the same, yeah. same intensity that I'm speaking about my oneness bliss moment. And I had that moment and I'm like, that's nothing, you know? So it's all, it's all relative. Hmm. Brian, did you ever have a big, a big moment or? Uh, yeah. Well, 
I certainly had a moment where I felt a call to ministry. Um, that I can remember pretty clearly uh, happened while I was in college. But in terms of awakening moments, I think, you know, I think I was, I grew up in a very sort of closed spiritual environment where there was a very narrow um, bandwidth of what was permissible or even an option for looking for God or experiencing God or, or that kind of thing. And I don't know if there was a moment or if this was gradual, but where I just realized that God was so much bigger than anything I could ever comprehend uh, and that I, I could be open to everything and nothing. And, and it just felt like everything just became an, became open and a source for me to learn and grow in wonder and, and experience something profound and it didn't have to look a certain way or be through a certain theological tradition. Um, so, you know, I think it was probably just a series of little things that just kind of helped move me along that path. And then at some point I feel like something cracked open and it's like, wow. Reached a tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, boom. I also think awakenings, um, you know, personality has a lot to do with them, right? Whether they're these huge, um, what one of my spiritual leaders used to call a two by four moment, right? He was hit in the head with a two by four. Um, Or whether they're this more gradually, like, you know, a two by four probably would have scared the crap out of you, Brian, right? Like, and sent you running in a different direction. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. And I think that, I I think this is where for me, you know, my understanding of like, God finds us, like, seeks us out and finds us. Mm. And so what, if, if we need to be smacked over the head, then that's what'll happen. If we need this gradual and some people it's feeling, it's a, it's a, it's a huge amount of emotion for other people. It's a, it's a thought that happens, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, the key, you know, Ogan, you're talking about your family, right? Like the, the key is um, they've had that experience and, and I, I have a really hard time with this sometimes, but like I try really hard not to judge it. Right. Because I, if I really do believe that God will seek them out where they are, then that really may be in a place in a denomination that I don't think is necessarily healthy, but that may be where God found them. And Mm. I do think God is that big. So I, I try not to judge others. I also try, that's good, you know, to bring, um, because you know, it's that like, is there one truth for all people, you know, and, and yeah, you don't want to revert into a different form of that, even though you feel like you came out of a more perhaps <laughs> fundamentalist view of God, but you don't want to then move to a place where now you're exactly right again, but in a different way. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, you know, but yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a process too. You know, it's a constant kind of thing. You know, I, I try not to judge, but I also try to make a good meatloaf and I fail. So oh. I'll there. No, I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I've, 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 um, I think I'm, I think I've moved past that as well. Um, I, I like, I, 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 rather than, rather than the phrase you use, of God finding someone, I, I, I've switched it around to go, um, we each find our place in God. And, and for a lot of people to what Brian said, for some people, it's a very, it's, it's, it's a very small, like finite place. Very, de- very defined. Y- you know, very defined. And I'm not going to wiggle aw- away from that in any ways because then I might lose my place. 
and like you said, Shannon, um, you know, the, 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 the enormity, the infiniteness, the allness that God is, you can't ever lose your place. Right. God. You're always in God. There's always a place in God where you are and who you are. So, so it's, it's okay to expand. And again, it's not so much you're moving from spot to spot, you know, from a consciousness place. It's an expansion mm-hmm. to, to take in or to be able to uh, experience more of the allness of God because right. there is no end to the allness of God. You know, we can keep expanding our consciousness and, uh, you know, till we turn into a real light and we're still not going to get it all. And I think there's just so many moments where we, we hope that that is like... N- not that we ever lose our place. We always have our place with God, but where we're, whatever we're doing, whatever we're living, however we're living, we're hoping that that is what God wants. And then these moments of awakening are like, wow, I see it. Right. I, I feel it. I can, I'm, I'm fully experiencing that. Yes. This, this is what it is. This is, we, um, I was saying this yesterday that, that the, uh, the idea where people say, Oh, it just fell into place. Like I knew it was of God cause it just fell into place. And, and whether or not things were any easier or harder, like the hoop jumping was any easier or harder. The reality is you knew deep in your soul, this was the right thing to do. So you did it with determination and you moved forward in it. And, and those are the moments of though. And, and sometimes they're often, and sometimes they're few. So let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Um, and so I was in Barbados recently, as you know, and my mom wanted us to go to church with her. This is, this is the, you know, the church that I basically grew up in, you know, they, they left the Wesleyan denomination and became their own independent kind of thing. And, you know, but it's, it's a lot of the same people who were like very influential for me as a teenager, you know, same minister still there. And she wanted us joy and i to go to church in fact before we even left the states she she she, <laughs> she, she she didn't ask she sent a message to joy saying here are the dresses i would like you to wear whoa when you come Hey-o. and it was more like you look it was no it was more like you know i remember seeing you in these and you look great i basically want to what she was really saying is you're gorgeous i want to show you off so wear these dresses but it just came across as, you know, when you, when you come to Barbados, wear these dresses when we go to church. It wasn't even an ask. It was like a declaration. Wow. Jo- Joy and I had this whole discussion about it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I said to her, if you want to go, go. If you don't want to go, don't go. I'm not going to make you go because I'm not going. And she's like, you can't, you can't, you can't expect me to go without you. I said, I don't have any expectations of you at all you know, kind of deal. But my mother, so Joy decided to go. She wanted to really, you know, she, she wanted to be, uh, she wanted to um, witness the experience, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, so she went and, but I stayed home and my mother saw it as me judging mm. where she is now, where they are now by mm. not participating in it. Right. And for me, it was twofold. It was like, you know, this experience it, it, it no longer serves me from like a spiritual theological standpoint. So I, uh, for me, it's like, I don't, I really make a conscious choice to not like immerse myself in those experiences. Plus I'm a minister. I'm right. on vacation. I don't right. want to go to my, 
I don't want to go to a place like my job. When it was I'm self-care in two ways. <laughs> you know, yeah. a minister walks into somebody else's church, they right. automatically go into like minister mode witnessing yep. what's happening. So I was like, I don't want to do that either. So how does one, you know, in a situation like that, really try to try to not, make it come across that I'm not participating in this and, and it not come across as I am judging this experience that you were immersed in. Cause, cause I don't, I don't think she, and, and a lot, some of that's on her too. Right. You know, but mm. I, I, it's, 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 it's a delicate thing when we, you know, we go back to our upbringing if we're no longer aligned with it. Um, yes. Have family members still in it and they want us to participate. They want us to share their joy, but right. it's not joy for us. <laughs> Well, and I think that's the conversation, right? Like it, 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 and again, it's, uh, this is the hard, like language of I've moved past that as if somehow, again, there's a straight journey. There's a, like, and, and I'm ahead of you now on, you know, um, this ladder, right? Your level seven. (laughs) <laughs> I knew it. Seven. I Wrong knew seven. it. Seven R. Seven R. Oh God, I, guys, I hate it. I'll be honest. I really hate it. <laughs> I, I am like eight episodes into the path, and I just I can't. <laughs> um. Anyway, but like, but there are religions that have this like you're on this yeah. phase of the journey and this phase of the journey, yeah. and 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 we if we don't believe that, it's really hard to say to somebody, I don't want to go that doesn't speak to me anymore because it does sound like judgment. Um, But it's, it's not at the same time. I sometimes have to challenge myself. Now I understand, right. Same pastor, same church you grow up, grew up in it. It, it, I get that. Right. It feels, um, it may be a toxic place for you. That may not be the right word, but it may be triggering for you in different ways. Mm But at the same time, I have to say, like, this isn't my tradition. This isn't my theological understanding. This isn't my whatever. But can I still go there and try to hear a good word? Or can I still? Um, but, I, I mean, I think what the, the story that you're describing is a, a lot more of um, family dynamics than of an awakening. Oh, like 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's entirely what, what it is. And, and what, is, what, is, what, what, what didn't? The, the schedule or timing really didn't allow for this this time, but what's happened in the past, which, you know, in, I, I really didn't remember in that moment. I was just calmly like, I'm not going to church. You know, you guys mm-hmm. still have a good time. Don't take it personally. But, um, but remember that some of these people were very influential in my upbringing. I, I, I owe them a lot. They helped keep me out of trouble. They were father figures and mother figures um, you know, there were people who believed in me from early on. Right. So, you know, what would have worked if I had had the wherewithal in the moment to think about it was simply arrange a time outside of church to meet with these people and connect with them, you right. know, but these are also people who I had, you know, lots of theological arguments on Facebook with, and I'm just right. like, I, you know, I, I and it's an added like stress that you don't want when you're on vacation. When I'm on vacation, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. But you know, that's why you shouldn't but go to home your mom. Go- it's common sense that you would go to church. It's common with sense. family. Okay. I think the I think the lesson is here: don't go home for vacation. <laughs> vacation is work when you go home. My wow. sister is home right now for vacation, and she would tell you the exact same thing. <laughs> 
as I get text messages at six o'clock in the morning from her. And you know, studies show that the number of awakenings go way down right after uh, daylight savings time kicks in. <laughs> we're, too, we're too sleepy to have an awakening. That's right. I'm just too tired. Too tired. I'm just trying to keep the car on the road and not kill anybody. Yeah, or have a heart attack. Well, we're doing it exactly. <laughs> exactly. So any other final words before we wrap it up? Uh, sleep is a spiritual practice. Get more of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It's good for everybody. <laughs> Everyone wins. Everyone wins. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pup Theology Live. We'd love you to connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. You can watch us on YouTube or the New Thought channel. And if you find us on iTunes, please uh, rate us, and that would be awesome. If you'd like to find a conversation like this, you know, some describe Pub Theology as a group hangout, a happy hour, and a chance to talk about the big stuff with people you like. So if that sounds interesting, check out the directory at pubtheology.com. And thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club, who you'll find at trywink.com slash PT Live. And, well, look us up at the Wild Goose at wildgoosefestival.org. And we hope to see you there. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. snow clouds oh my god you guys have no idea <laughs> sunny skies are coming because we're now sunny skies and it's nice. been hard it's been horizontal snow like oh all morning and this thing is not letting up i think it, it's gonna taper off a little bit like by six or seven but there's still gonna be more snow all during the night and knowing knowing that i didn't back to this whole sleep thing knowing that you know everything shut down i didn't have to go anywhere today mm-hmm. i slept for almost 10 hours mm-hmm. last night hallelujah and like i'm ready to go take another nap <laughs>